Lord, Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all so much for the awesome opportunity you've given us to gather in your house and to get into your word and help us now as we return to studying the book of Peter here and to understand it and apply it in the right way. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series in the book of Peter, First Peter, picking it back up in chapter 3. But it reads, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Now, this conversation isn't just talking about speaking. This is their interaction and their active what they have done, what they are doing, their actions and behaviors is what he's speaking of in their conversation, their interaction with others, that they may learn from that. That the husband that has not been saved looks at the wife that has been saved and is drawn in because he admires what he's seeing there in her righteousness and draws him in that way. And as he continues speaking of the wife and Verse 3, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of the meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great, of great price. So don't focus on being so beautiful and attractive that you forget what the real beauty is comes from within. Verse 5, For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Notice, your relationship with your spouse can influence your own prayers. Because as he says there, that your prayers be not hindered. Let us know that when we are disobedient in whatever way it is, in our relationships or in any other way, that hinders our answers to the prayers. Verse 8, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. And this applies to everyone. Not just the husband and wife setting, but to everyone. They need to come together under like-minded belief in Jesus Christ and, and to love one another and be pitiful and courteous. Verse 9, not rendering evil for evil. That's something that people have a hard time with. They like to get that payback. They get hit, they like to hit back. Not supposed to do that. It's supposed to leave it up to the Lord because he says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay not rending evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, 
knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him reframe his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And that's pretty clear there what he's telling. He's not listening to the requests and the needs of the evil, but he is to the righteous. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. This is an awesome couple of verses here about fear, about having the proper fear. Fear in respect to the Lord, but not fear in what man can do to you. Because we are eternal creatures when we become born again, quickened, brought back to life by the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost, and we don't have to worry about this life. As far as leaving this world, it's a promotion for Christians. So don't be afraid of their terror, as it says. And be not troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Sanctification or being sanctified means a specific task or area or responsibility has been applied. So in sanctifying the Lord is putting a special place in our hearts for the Lord. And we know we're indwelt with the Holy Ghost, so He's in there. and Giving that a focus, knowing that the Lord is there, sanctified in you, it dwelt in you in the form of the Holy Ghost. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. When they see you, when they see your behavior, your attitudes, your reactions... Does it bring honor and glory to the Lord or not? You need to always be representing the Lord in everything that you do and be ready to explain why you're acting the way you are or reacting the way you are to a hard situation to others when they wonder why you would be feeling as well as you are or reacting as good as you are in such a bad situation. You can tell them because you're comforted by the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost and you know where you're going to be for eternity and you have salvation. That's what we need to do when people come our way and ask, well, why are you so hopeful? Why are you so cheerful? I know how bad things are right now, but yet you still got a smile on your face. And then that's an opportunity to witness to them. And that's what he's speaking of there. It reads, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Remember that meekness he speaks of here is power under control. Having a power and ability to influence someone else and having that under control is what meekness is all about. And with fear, because fear of accountability, fear that you might do it wrong or you might not even do it at all. And then the Lord's going to ask, well, why didn't you do that? I gave you this opportunity. You passed it up. You know, so we've got to know that we're all going to be looked at. Everything we've ever done as Christians is going to be looked at. Even those opportunities that he puts in front of us so that we might not step up and take a part of. Might get to question, well, why not? Why didn't you? Gave you this opportunity, but you passed it up. 
with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. So when you're living the right kind of life, in all your actions and behaviors, everywhere that you go, all the time, then they haven't got anything that they can bring up against you. They can falsely bring up things against you. But when they do bring up false accusations against you, and it's the truth comes out, then they are ashamed. And they should be. But we see a lot of that going on. A lot of the devil going up against Christians, falsely accusing them of things. We see this over and over and experience it over and over. And it's an attempt to keep Christians quiet, to keep them cowering in fear, but step up with boldness, proclaim the Lord as your, as your Savior, and receive the blessings that come along with that. Verse 17, For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Even in those places where the opportunity comes your way that could result in you being able to testify or proclaim Jesus Christ that might result in some kind of persecution coming your way. If you suffer for doing good, then as the disciples have displayed, rejoice in that. But if you're suffering because you've done something wrong, then that's what you got coming to you. Verse 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism both also now save us, not to put in a way of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we've got to look at verse 21 carefully. There is a false teaching out there that takes part of this verse and tries to apply it as your salvation comes from baptism. It is not what he's saying. So as we've cautioned before, when you're reading a verse, to get clear understanding of it, sometimes it's best to take out the section that is in a parentheses, a parentheses which we'll read that now without the parentheses section. In verse 21, The like figure whereunto even baptism doeth also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice, look a little deeper where it starts out. The like figure. In other words, the representation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what he's speaking of. When we are baptized, we are performing a ritual that is representational of the resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about here. When we are baptized, it's like we are dead. Buried, it's when we go down under the water, and then when we come back up out of the water, resurrection. So let's read that again. 
the like figure whereunto even baptism doeth also now save us. The representation of what baptism is, is what saves us. What is baptism representing? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. As he goes down, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, sometimes you've got to take out the section of parentheses in order to get a clearer understanding of what the subject matter is and how it applies, and then you can go back and read the section in parentheses. Let's go into that one more time. First reading outside of the parentheses and then going back to it. Verse 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. So he's showing us that it's not our works that saves us. It's the finished work of Jesus Christ that saves us. But the answer of a good conscience toward God, that means understanding and knowing and clearly believing Jesus Christ, what he has done, and what baptism represents, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you understand that, know that, consciously accept that, then you understand that the process of baptism is a public profession of your belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 22. Who is gone into heaven, Jesus Christ gone into heaven, and is on the right hand of God, Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. All right, run on into chapter 4. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sins, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, ravelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot and speaking evil of you. Peter, just like Paul liked to do so many times, reminding us where we come from. In the past, yes, that was part of our lifestyle, the lasciviousness, the lust, the excess of wine, rivalings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. But now we don't do that. And now the world turns against us because they don't want us not doing it because then they feel bad about what they're doing. That's why we see this wave of people around the world trying to make others accept their evil behavior and, can, and also participate in their evil behavior. Because it makes them feel better. Like, okay, now it's accepted because everybody's doing it. And then they don't feel so bad. But deep inside, they know it's wrong. So what do they do? They think it's strange that you don't do it. They talk bad about you. They speak evil of you because you're not doing it. Wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? they will be held accountable for the way they are treating Christians. And the Christians will be judged as well. Because that's what he's saying here, to judge the quick. Quick means those that are brought back to life, born-again Christians, and the dead, those that are spiritually dead, the lost. 
For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. People have taken this out of context as well and think, okay, you go out here and preach in the graveyards and preaching to the dead. That ain't got anything to do with physical death. He's talking about spiritual death because what he just talked about in verse 5, the quick and the dead, the born again and the lost. He's preached to the lost. That's who the preaching goes out to. Primarily to bring people in and become saved. And then secondary to that, helping support and encourage and, and teach those that are born again. But it goes to the dead, the spiritually dead. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. Not just talk to the righteous people, but to the unrighteous people. That they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Living according to God. Judged, condemned, cut down, talked evil of by mankind, but being rewarded and judged for your righteousness by God. But the end of all things is at hand. More so now than when he wrote this. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift... Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. When the Lord blesses you with an ability to be able to help others in the kingdom, we need to apply that. That's what he's speaking of there about the gifts that he gives us. If any man speak, those that have been given the blessed opportunity to preach and teach and spread the gospel and whether it be teaching the kids all the way up to being a missionary or a pastor, is if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Notice, oracles of God. You speak, you repeating the Word of God. Not just teach your idea, your theories, your attitude, your desires. No, all the oracles of God. You teach and preach the Word of God. Not the word of yourself. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Notice, all the glorification going to the Lord, not to the individuals. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Clearly putting it there. Go out, preach, teach the gospel. Even though they're going to speak evil of you, we have a responsibility to share the gospel. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. And when you go out in there and you're getting these persecutions, you getting these false accusations, you're getting the hardships that come along with it, don't think it's just you. Everybody's been going through that. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Clearly put there. 
You're out there doing a work for the Lord. You get condemned. You get cut down. You get false accusations. You get persecution. Rejoice. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Endure the suffering. Go through it, showing your faith, your trust, and belief in Jesus Christ. Nothing strange coming that only comes upon you has been going on all the way through history. But be happy, as he clearly said up there, happy are ye when all that comes upon you. Verse 14, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Right, right into chapter 5. The elders which are among you I exhort, whom am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Talking about his personal eyewitness of suffering of Jesus Christ. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy liquor, but of a ready mind. This feeding the flock is talking about sharing what the Lord's blessed you with. When the Lord blesses you with the knowledge and understanding of His Word, and someone comes to you and doesn't have that, then share it with them. Neither as being the Lord's over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. This could apply to those that become pastors or missionaries or whatever. Those that like to be praised and honored and revered and over the flock, call themselves shepherds, those arrogant, pious, haughty men and women that have put themselves in such positions, shouldn't do so. They will answer for it. There is neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, which is Jesus Christ, the one and only true shepherd, Ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all ye, all of ye, excuse me. Yea, all of you, be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Point out there, resisteth the proud, those that have puffed themselves up as a haughty some. Shepherd of the flock themselves. No, it's going to resist that. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, be cause your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That roaring lion, that one 
crying out accusations against you, false accusations trying to bring up your past against you, roaring lion. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that he hath suffered a while, made you make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Like we can get this perfection, which means fully furnished with everything that you need to do the will and the work of the Lord and strengthen you and give you the strength to be able to step up and take those opportunities that come your way and give you the peace that comes along with that. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then he signs it off here, By Sylvanius, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God, wherein ye stand. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doeth Marcus, my son. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. The first letter of Paul, given to the churches and told to share and to pass around, and many things in here that we can learn from, proper behavior, proper attitude, our relationship as husband and wife, our relationship to the world, how we react to others out there, how we need to be prepared for what we are going to have the opportunity to do, like he said back over there in chapter 3, verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That's a very important verse in in First Peter about having that place in your whole life, not just your heart, but in your entire existence. That's loving God with all your existence and love others as yourself, the two great commandments that you focused on. But being able to give an answer. This doesn't mean that you're going to be a Bible scholar and be able to go back to the Scriptures and be able to tell everybody in, in intricate detail the verses that apply to the hope that you have. But letting them know that you have such hope is your testimony. And that's why it's so important that we have that expression all the time of that fulfilling hope. And that hope is that confident anticipation and expectation of the fulfillment of the prophecies and promises of God that we learn from His Word and from the Holy Ghost. When you have that true hope, it automatically comes out. It automatically shines out of you. It's the light of Jesus Christ within us. When we truly have that 100% confidence in your salvation and in the saving grace of God, then that's going to shine. And it's going to be like a light on your front porch when the malls start coming around. People are going to be drawn in by that because they're going to see your life's experiences and they're going to see your reactions to it. You're walking around moping and groaning and complaining all the time. When somebody says, hey, how you doing? You just, blah, you just speak all kinds of horrible stuff on them. Or you tell them, I'm doing great because I know where I'm going to go when I leave this world. And they say, what? What are you talking about? Boom, open the door to tell them about the Lord, about salvation, about how come you have hope. 
Sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be able to get into your word here. Some awesome things that we can learn from it. Help us to truly understand it. Help us to truly remember it and then turn around and apply it. Encourage us to share what you give us. All those blessings, all the gifts of understanding that we can share with the world that really truly needs it right now. Help us all to realize the darker it gets out there, the brighter that light that you shine through us is going to show up. And help us be encouraged by that and strengthened by that and motivated by that. Thank you all so much for all of it. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Thank you all.